Elm Street's last breath. Farewell. We've beat you before! And now you're all alone! <laughs> Kristen, why don't you, uh... Call on one of your little friends. Maybe they could help. Never! I'm the last! Why don't you reach out and cut someone? With the Dream Warriors becoming a breakout mainstream hit in 1987, New Line Cinema was wise to quickly capitalize on the ongoing and growing momentum behind Freddy Krueger. The turnaround was tight, but a year and a half later, the fourth nightmare in less than four years hit theaters in August of 1988. Being a direct sequel to Part 3, The Fourth Nightmare was an attempt to expand the rules and mythology established during Freddy's battle with the Dream Warriors, and it was also an attempt to expand Freddy's influence beyond the kids from Elm Street. With life imitating art, Freddy Krueger's influence in the real world exploded with a new movie, a television series, and countless media appearances throughout 1988. The star of the show, Robert England, claimed he wasn't initially terribly excited about submitting himself to Freddy's makeup chair over and over again, but that seemed to change once he saw the movie start to come together. One of the main reasons England changed his tone was the addition of a new director to the series, the up-and-coming Rennie Harlan. Harlan definitely signed up for a challenge with The Fourth Nightmare, though. Not only did he have to follow up a huge Hollywood hit, but he had to do it with a tight budget and even tighter deadlines. On top of that, a strike by the Writers Guild during production meant that Harlan and his crew were working from a largely unfinished script. They were basically making up large chunks of the movie as they went along. Would all of these factors lead to a disappointing entry in the series, or could the star power of Robert England, combined with the solid direction of Rennie Harlan, create an unlikely masterpiece? Find out tonight as Joey and I discuss A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, here in The Last Theater. Welcome to The Last Theater. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And welcome back once again to our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective here in The Last Theater. This is part four for Nightmare on Elm Street, part four, The Dream Master. Of course, go to cnjradio.com to listen to all the ones you've missed so far because each one does kind of build upon the previous one that we've talked about. And this one being the first direct sequel, really, I, I mean, one in three were sequels because they had yeah. similar characters, yeah. but it still feels like a good jumping on point. Yeah. This one, you almost kind of need to see part three to really get part four because the first, I would say, third of the movie follows the survivors from part three. Yeah, all your character development from those initial people you meet in four are already there. So you yeah. kind of, you do have to say, I think it's not, not just because I like the movie a lot, yeah. but it's important that you see three before four. Right. Absolutely. So we do have the return of Kincaid, Joey, played by the original actors from part three. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. put an asterisk there because yeah. Patricia Arquette didn't come yeah, back. Patricia Arquette did not come back to play Kristen, but I think was it Tuesday night played Kristen in this yeah. one. That doesn't sound like a fake stage name at all to me. Not at all. Yeah. But uh, she, she did fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. She's not Patricia Arquette. So like you do follow her. It's kind of the 
thing in the series so far is like a single young woman is followed in this nightmare scape at the beginning of the movie and this time it was Kristen but initially if you're watching this movie you may not realize that it takes a little bit of time she has someone has to actually say her name for you to realize to get that connection between part three and part four because like in the world they know but us as an audience especially coming this close together if you didn't read anything if you don't read Fangoria or whatever like you're not going to know that this is a direct sequel until that moment where it's like Kristen so Yeah, yeah And almost turning into a comedy from the get-go in the sense that it's like, damn, Kristen, you got to pull us in the dreams again? What's, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, it's almost like they expect it, you know? So it's gotten to that point that this is their relationship. They have this crazy, crazy bond mm-hmm. that is definitely unbreakable at this point, except for, you know, things that happen later on. Yeah, right. But, you know, you, you, you do get the sense of the camaraderie early on. But, yeah, you do have to know where they've been from part three that's why another reason why it's important that you see it so i liked that but in the sense of i felt like at times they were like let's get this part three stuff out of the way as soon as possible and get on to the next thing and i think it's at the expense of those actors unfortunately and i realize that if you don't do that then you have a two-hour movie yeah but i still felt a little shortchanged by you know writing those characters off so quickly and like in the same night basically it was just the same one, 24 after the, one after the other yeah like bam 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 24 hour period basically yeah. in their real time that that happened and i i feel like there should have been an initial 24 hour shock with just one death like to have kincaid die yeah and then have that carry over to school the next day yeah like that is how you do it i think because i think too many deaths in a row it, it kind of does lose that meaning yeah I think a lot of this and a lot of the issues we'll talk about with this movie come from the script not being finished. Sure. Because like I had mentioned, there was the the Writers Guild went on strike and they literally couldn't write the script. So Randy Harlan was just kind of coming up with stuff as he went along and he was doing his best with what he had. I know you're a big fan of Randy Harlan. Yeah, I wanted to disclaim that from the get go. I I love Randy Harlan for the most part. I'm a fan of most of his movies. Two of his movies especially are some of my favorite movies of all time Mm -hmm. and that is Adventures of Ford Fairlane and The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes. I think those movies are excellent. Yes. Super quotable too. So I think he's a true talent. Yeah. I have still to this day never seen Cutthroat Island because I'm such a fan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So, yeah. I know that sounds weird, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He had a really good run in the 90s, I would yeah. say. Like, great movies, great output in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, probably, maybe my favorite of his was Die Hard 2. So oh, yeah. Great sequel. Yeah. So, totally left that out. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the great sequels ever. Yeah, yeah. And the, he's that good that you didn't miss a beat with the previous director, I don't think. I mean, right. you can never recreate number one. Right. But number two is really, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, but this, all that, all that we just said happened after this movie. Yeah. Uh, prior to his entry in the Nightmare series, he had only done like two movies. And uh, just, there's not a whole lot of behind the scenes, like, backstabbing and whatnot like we've had in the previous movies sure but the only thing that really came across watching some of the little vignettes on the blu-ray was that robert shea the producer robert shea from new line was not too keen on really harlan really he that's literally ri- that's ridiculous what yeah <laughs> literally what he said in this vignette i don't know when it was recorded it was yeah. probably recorded for like a laser disc back in the like 90s or something because sure. a lot of that stuff is for sure. some reason but he was saying, like, I'm going to bring in this, like, foreign guy to direct this action, this American movie. 
Like that's how we came across, and that was the only clip of Robert Shea mm-hmm. in that. But he's Man, go go back behind the bar and fix him up a Finland Danian. Yeah. Okay? So once again, <laughs> know your place. <laughs> once again, Robert Shea is the villain in behind the scenes. So just to get all this, the behind the scenes stuff out of the way, talking about Rennie Harlan, and we can just talk about the movie itself for the most part. But the hiring of Rennie Harlan from Robert Shea's mouth was that he knew how tight the deadlines were, and he knew how grueling the shooting schedule and the editing and everything was going to be to get it out. It was like August or something when this was released, so it was a really quick turnaround. Uh, He said that he didn't really know much about Rennie Harlan. He had seen one of the movies he'd done before. I think it was Prison is the one that he had seen, which I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen it either. Uh, One of his early ones, or his early two before this. But he said that Rennie Harlan was a big guy, and he think he had the stamina to actually complete the movie, and that's why he hired him. He didn't hire him for his artistic prowess or his movies. He hired a workhorse. He hired him because, yeah, because he could physically get the job done because he was a big dude. Yeah. And from Rennie Harlan's perspective, he was saying in some of these interviews that he didn't think Robert Shea ever liked him. He never really talked to him or said anything nice about him. The only time... Robert Shea said anything good to Rennie Harlan in, at this time, from this is directly from Rennie Harlan's mouth, was when the movie premiered, after all the doubts, people up to the premiere date weren't sure that this was going to be a thing that worked. But when Robert Shea saw people lined up around the street to see the movie, that was the only time that he was like nice to Rennie Harlan. So mm-hmm. he saw the dollar signs, <laughs> sure. and that's what turned him around. Oh, yeah. But before that... He didn't care at all for any Harlan, so that's yeah. pretty garbage. But without a director as visually and like action oriented, because he really yeah. is, and this movie is really action oriented. And Rennie Harlan actually said that is that yeah. he wanted this to be like an action type movie. Someone at New Line said this was like the Aliens of the Nightmare series, that, and that's what they were sure. going for. Yeah, because this stuff is really stylish looking. It's yeah. modern stylish, even in something like I was mentioning one of my favorite movies, Ford Fairlight. Yeah. This, that's like a kind of a comedy detective thing. Yeah. And it's really cheesy and over the top, but it looks like a real film. Yeah. And it probably shouldn't, right. but he made that thing look amazing. Yeah, it looks great. And that's why I think this movie is pretty memorable for a lot of people is yeah. because it does look really good. The script is not so great, sure. but the look of it and the construction of it is, it, it looks, it's fun. I think it has the most overall top to bottom, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the most memorable nightmares of the entire franchise. Uh, maybe with the exception of the first one, because the first one's always yeah. going to be the best. But I think it even outdoes three in a some sense, as yeah. far as like overall top to bottom, the nightmares are all memorable. You remember all of those scenes. Definitely. For better or, for better or worse. Yeah. Rennie took a lot of credit for those. I remember watching a special about this during, uh, there was a franchise overall review special mm-hmm. on MTV when Freddy's Dead came out. And I remember specifically Rennie Harlan saying, I got to do all those creative nightmares in Nightmare 4 and I'm very proud of them, you know. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they were in the script, maybe they weren't. But it sounds like he was like, no, I came up with all that. I think a lot of the the gist of what I got reading the Fangorias from the time was that, yeah, he basically kind of had to come up with the stuff on the fly. Yeah. Uh, the Karate Man, yeah. Rick was his name, the brother of Alice. His scene when he's fighting the Invisible Freddy, yeah. his nightmare was really supposed to take place more 
in the bathroom stall and everything where because that's where he falls asleep in the bathroom stall in the school sure and he the cheerleaders come in and then he falls and he falls into that that weird invisible fight scene yeah but it originally wasn't supposed to be that huh. but they didn't have the budget or the time to do what they originally wanted huh. so that's what Rennie Harlan basically I'm sure it was and, a little bit of a collaboration yeah but that's what Rennie Harlan ended up shooting on the fly was was that scene but that's crazy good because that looks yeah. like that all that costs a lot of money yeah but apparently they did it on the cheap that, yeah that's something and else you didn't right even there. need robert england on the set that day no. you just needed one dude some like <laughs> billowy wind stuff and that's it that's all you needed <laughs> yeah so he's, great. he's really great i think at making the best of a tough situation yeah and I don't take any of that as like gospel but that's what i read as far as like doing my quick research that i do for these things yeah for uh, sure but yeah, I just I, I I keep going back to it. But every nightmare in here is memorable. So I'm gonna yeah. have a hard time picking a favorite death at the end. Let's just say. Yeah, so. I think I have my favorite death and my favorite nightmare, which aren't necessarily the same thing. Ah. But because there's a ton of dream stuff in this movie, like it's I would say there's more dream than reality in this movie because okay. especially because of the Alice character. Yeah, and we were definitely kind of talking about it here and there. We were watching, but I was really just kind of watching it this time just because yeah. I I kind of fall into it. Kind of like the uh, people in the movie. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how the lines have been blurred a lot through the series. Yeah. How much of it was done in this movie? I'm, I'm kind of curious myself, actually. So I'm asking you. Where do you go, okay, what is this supposed to be? Is it reality or, or what? I don't think there can be a definitive answer. Because I think without a finished script and without people looking at it and saying, okay, this is what this is and this is reality, this is dream... In the original, we talked about how some of it didn't seem to quite make sense, especially the ending where it just kind of goes on and on. Yeah. You're like, is she? Well, I thought she was awake. That was the whole point of that whole thing. Yeah. But in this one, there's no like, there's not even a way to question it because it just kind of goes on. Especially the ending, which we'll talk about. Where when did Alice fall asleep? Where Alice and Dan did they sleep drive? Like what? Yeah. What was that whole thing? Yeah. Part of that can be explained away. Alice is the after the first third of the movie, she's the new main character in this movie. Yeah. So we'll talk, I want to talk about the intro a little bit. Sure, yeah, just, it's important to talk about the passing of the torch. Yeah, sure. but just to, to briefly answer your question, and then we'll move on yeah. to maybe going a little bit more in order. Yeah, and of course, if we, examples come by, just mention them. Yeah, so. but Alice daydreams a lot. And it brought up an interesting question for me when I was watching this is can Freddy get you if you're daydreaming? Hmm. Like, is it just full REM sleep, or can he get you in, like... Because I know if people stay awake for too long, they start to take the micro naps and things. You yeah. think about, like, Fight Club, when he would see Tyler Durden, because he was actually, like, he wasn't aware that he was falling asleep, yeah. but there was the, the micro naps that yeah. your body just does, and he was seeing them. So can Freddy get you in those? Does he have enough? Can that bring a foothold so he can do his real life magic? Yeah. Um, they don't answer that question. Mm. But this movie made me wonder if that was a possibility. And one of the best example for me saying that, yes, he can reach you even if you're not fully asleep. And if you're just daydreaming, per se, is because when Alice and her friends go to the Thompson house, because Alice sees it in a dream and yeah. she they go there. She sees the little, the, the nursery rhyme girl doing that chalk drawing on the sidewalk, and she's not asleep. She's just daydreaming. But she sees something that's not there in reality when she's not fully asleep. Okay. So I think Freddy could get you in, hmm. in, in different ways. It brought up some interesting stuff. We talked a little bit before in the last one about, like, 
drugs and stuff like that. If you're hallucinating, can he get you? Mm, so yeah. I think it brings up really interesting stuff that they don't necessarily dive into, but it's it's neat to kind of think about. Something they could have built upon maybe in the next one, even yeah. though they didn't. But, yeah. You know. there, there's a lot of missed opportunities in this one, but I'm going to put all of my complaints for this movie I'm putting on the script, and it's not anyone's fault. It's the Writer's Guild. It was just timing sure. and pushing it out to get it out in time. Yes. Like If they had been able to delay it, if Robert Shea had been like, maybe let's wait a few months, it may have been a better movie. I like the movie. Yeah. I don't love the movie. I'm kind of glad he didn't because I, I like what we got here. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I go back to it. I, yeah. I, I will watch three and four back to back during a week at some point, And I think that's yeah. a good idea usually. Yeah. So. Uh, but let's jump back yeah, a little bit. I want back. to talk about... The... we got to get rid of the part three cast once yeah, again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Kristen is having the dreams. They got rid of Freddy, but somehow he's coming back. This is not explained. Okay, physically it's sort of explained, but how did he get a foothold? How did he start coming back? Well, that was because it's it's what they expounded upon in a really good way in Freddy versus Jason later on. And something but that's that, not a thing yet. Right, but I remember Kincaid saying when he was complaining as only he can yeah. uh, at the beginning of the movie, like, if you keep doing this, he's going to come back. Yeah. Like, he actually said that. And yeah. I, maybe, whether he just thinks it's a jinx and he believes in the jinx, yeah. I think that's kind of all I needed. Like, mm. you bring, you keep bringing him up and, yeah. you know, and yeah, like I said, that hadn't become gospel yet. But I feel like maybe when they were doing Freddy vs. Jason... That they kind of maybe used some of that idea. They saw the seeds and expounded yeah. upon yeah. them, but as so of, that, that's how I explain it in my head. Yeah, that's but how I, I lay back and enjoy it. As of this, it didn't bother me. Like right. Freddy's coming back. It doesn't sure. really matter well, yeah. how it happens <laughs> because if he doesn't come back, there's no movie. So sure. whatever, it doesn't matter. That's not the point of the movie. Okay. But they were told by mystical means that if you bury him in consecrated ground, yeah. he's not going to come back. He's gone. Sure, but he does. True, yeah. So, and, which would have made three a great closer to the series. Yeah, it just kind of. I'd have I, been fine with it. I think my thing is it just kind of undoes stuff that previously happened, making the endings of previous movies kind of not feel as good on yeah. retrospect. Yes, um, it doesn't hurt those movies because I can. I have a good way. I can cut it off at the end and be like, "All right, good movie. Next one, like, and sure. just kind of throw it yeah. away." And plus, Freddy explains it to you. He says, you shouldn't have buried me. I'm not dead. Yeah, sure. That's all you need, right? One, pay, one, one piece of dialogue. <laughs> something, so, something. <laughs> so Kristen's having these dreams. She pulls in Joey and Kincaid in the first, like in this opening sequence. It's the boiler room thing that you've seen a few times before already in the series. Yeah. And she pulls in Joey and Kincaid and they're like, no, he's gone. The boiler's cold. Like, yeah. he's not here anymore. And I like that they shot it differently in this one. And it's, I don't think it's just because the director is different. Yeah. Like, the overall house looked different. It looked like yeah. there was nothing going on. It looked like the electricity, even though you could, there was light in the room for some reason. Yeah. Well, like, like, the house wasn't moving. Like, the yeah. pipes, yeah, the pipes were cold. Yeah. It didn't feel like any this house wasn't alive with anything. The right. chains weren't moving. There was no running water. Like, yeah. it was a dead house. Yeah. So I really liked the way that felt. You yeah. know, there was no music going on. It was just like, right. we're here. Why are we here? Yeah. But then so. after the setup and being reintroduced to these three characters, Kincaid is the first to go. And this is one where, mentioning before, like, what's dream, what's reality? I don't know. Because Kincaid didn't know about the junkyard he wasn't at the junkyard in the third movie he could have been told about it afterward could have but the only person that could have told him about that would have been that doctor guy 
character. John Saxon's character died yeah. at the time, so so it almost seems like Freddie brought him into this thing. Yeah, so it's, it's weird. It's weird leading things, and on top of that, if it's just a dream, then he's not physically there in the junkyard, so the bones aren't physically being peed on by the dog, like the the <laughs> fire pee by the dog. Uh, Jason, by the way, is the name of the dog in the movie. Yes. And symbolism. So, is that symbolism? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of tie in to Jason Goes to Hell right there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, of... Timeline wise, maybe we can get it to where he's still on the ground and he pulls the mask down or something. I don't know. I'm just reaching at this point. Yeah. But I really like the visual of like, Kincaid knows something's wrong. Because yeah. I think he even said, This isn't my dream. Yeah. Which is super weird, but yeah. and compelling. But yeah, with that dog dog doesn't appear to know him, and has kind of turned into a hellhound, like it's barking yeah. manically at him. Yeah. When it starts digging, we all know what's up. Right. He doesn't seem to know what's up. Yeah. And I like that. I'm scared for him because he should be running, like there's no tomorrow. But he is. Yeah. He can't stop staring at it. Yeah. And uh, I I love the regeneration scene. I it totally works for me. Yeah, as the, ludicrous as it is, I love it. The effects of the the reverse shooting of it with the the, the organs and the the melting skin coming back to his face and everything looks cool the visuals are great i love going back to the junkyard because the junkyard was a very memorable scene from the third movie yeah it just doesn't work for me from a story perspective because how how does any of this work it just doesn't it doesn't work for me yeah as far as uh, i mean like you go back to how Jason was resurrected, and that happened in a dream too. Actually, yeah. that I think about it. Yeah, so, part five, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, it doesn't matter. But when you start to think about it, you're like, wait a minute, Kincaid was never there. These bones aren't actually, unless he physically transported him there. These bones aren't actually being dug up, unless he sleepwalked out there, or there's real life magic digging them up. Mm. So it doesn't. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Because real, realistically, those bones should still be yeah. in that junkyard, buried. Yeah. And after all that, after he uh, took his super nightmare dream strength and put a car over Freddy and all that, yeah. which is great. I love that because they even changed the mood of the thing at the time. Yeah. Hear this triumphant music. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. But then when he gets got by Freddy, Freddy just fucking, you know what, I'm just going to stab you in the gut. Yeah. Like, it's just like a, like, you know, I don't even feel enough for you to kill you in any kind of right. creative way. Just boom. Yeah. I'm going to blame that one on the writer strike, at least. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and I don't. It does again feel like it's it's really sudden because like right after that he goes after Joey, yeah. and Joey is in a similar way to a Glenn, a Johnny Depp's character in the first movie. He's kind of laying out on the bed. He's got the headphones on. He's watching TV. It's not on his lap, but he's watching it across the room. Yes. And MTV is on yeah. there. This yeah. I believe this one is the one that's referred to mostly as like the MTV nightmare. Yeah, because of all the connections and everything at this point, and I think they Freddie was all over MTV at the oh, time. Oh my gosh, he would host. Yeah, he would. Freddie used to introduce videos to me, yeah. <laughs> like he was that much in it. And they, I definitely remember seeing a special on Nightmare Four as it was coming out, showing mm. pivotal scenes from the movie. Mm. And this was one of them, of course. You know, so it, they scratched each other's back for sure. For sure. And this is this was a very memorable scene for me for a number of reasons. But Joey is there on his waterbed, and, is, and Joey he, brings the ladies. Yeah, I, I do like the connections to the characters. Like the with Kincaid, he had the strength and stuff, but I didn't get the connection between the junkyard and him. Other than just those were two cool things, and we needed to put him in the movie, and that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, but with Joey, it's he has this pinup of this woman 
um, behind his bed. It's, it looks like it's signed to him too. Yeah. And um, he's on the waterbed, and she ends up being un- under the water in the waterbed, yeah. completely yeah, she nude. Disappears off the poster. Yeah. And it's like, where'd she go? Oh, yeah. There. Oh, there she is. <laughs> and then Freddy just kind of pulls him under, and I don't see him get stabbed, but you see blood fill the the waterbed. Yes. And interesting, like the his Joey's mom finds him like in the waterbed. It's not yeah. cut or anything. He's no. just under it he yeah. somehow materialized underneath and that's, it, it tracks because in part three the guy went through the door so yeah even though that doesn't make a whole lot of scientific sense yeah. of course once again it's a good visual yeah that's yeah. all that's all it's really there for i think and i think so. that's what Rennie harlan was really trying to do was sure. good visuals because yeah. this is a movie made for like wide stream consumption i think um so it's not as smart as the first one there's not as much sub i'm doing finger quotes now subtext as the second one it wasn't trying to be something else it was just trying to give people a good time with good visuals and good deaths yes and that's what this movie is really all about yeah but then after that so Kristen realizes that something real bad is happening she starts freaking out and we realize that Kristen is friends with this new young woman in high school alice and alice has her own group of friends as well but Talking about how this could have been done in a better way, you do kind of have to get Kincaid and Joey out of the way because they're too smart about Freddy. They would be able to join forces. Had they known that Freddy was really back and they weren't doubting Kristen, they could have used their Dream Warrior powers. Did Joey even have... Well, his voice, I guess, was his Dream Warrior power, but... That's all he really had. Yeah, but he can talk now in this one. Yeah, he can talk, so... <laughs> well, he can't do the uh, dogma thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> With the mirrors. Yeah. So... Oh, by the way, since you brought that up, talking about when they introduced the new characters, mm-hmm. the the shot that I hate so much, even though, yeah, it does look cool, when he's walking her to class, yeah. and they pass by, and all of a sudden there's this wipe, and you just see Freddy claw marks on these yeah. lockers. I'm like, what is that? Why is that there? Yeah. Like... Clearly, this could only be seen in a nightmare. What is this? Our nightmare now? We're we're playing along. Like... That's that's the most <laughs> egregious thing, and that's why I think Rennie Harlan was more about the visuals that didn't either didn't have the time or just didn't really care as much mm-hmm. about it making sense. Because I talked just a second ago about Alice seeing the nursery rhyme girl when she wasn't really there, and that makes sense to me because it was daydreaming. And okay, if that's happening, then you have to accept the fact that she sees things that other people don't because she's a daydreamer. Yes. But this one, this is the kind of thing that really does bother me because in dreams, it's focused on the dreamer. Everything that exists should be focused on the dreamer. No one's dreaming there. No one saw that. Yeah. That was only for the audience. Yeah. That should have been the trailer and nothing else. Like they should have been like showing them like walking past the hall and then use it there. That exact same shot. Put it in the trailer. Do not put that in the film. That way people can like that shot. Because like, oh, yeah. that thing. It's not in the movie, but it's in the trailer. It's really cool. Yeah. And then we, we wouldn't be arguing about it right now. Well, I'm not arguing. Well, we're we're not, agreeing. <laughs> we'd be, sorry, we wouldn't be like kind of, you know, geeking out about yeah. it right now. Because it's, it's, I think it's Lisa and Rick. And, yeah, yeah. No, it's Kristen and Rick. Yes, because they're boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. It's that different actress thing. I'm yeah. still dealing with it. Uh, so. Kristen and Rick are walking down the hallway. And like you said, you see the slashes in the locker room. But they pass it. Neither one of them see it. Neither one of them turns around and sees it. Yeah. Um, Alice doesn't see it. She's already left. So, yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things. that I talked about it in my recent uh, review of The Turning. There was a thing like that where 
should have been focused on someone, but no one saw it, so it shouldn't have been there, and it really, really bothered me. Right. And by the way, I like Rick. He's a he's a good character. He's got a good mm. personality. Even the, he's a little sticky. He's he's a little dollar store Christian Slater. He, he is, but I will say, like, he has the charisma that Depp should have had the first one. Okay. I'll all right. I'll grant yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I might just be turning a blind eye to this movie as a fan, but yeah. He definitely does come off as a dollar store Christian Slater, yeah. but Christian Slater wasn't totally yet a thing yet. Heather's came yeah. out that same year, though. That same year, yeah. but he was doing his Nicholson then, so no one really knew yeah, what yeah, Christian right. Slater was either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I like him, and he's especially better, and I'll I'll say this again on part five, he's yeah. better than the skateboard comic book kid in part five. I, yeah, that, he just wasn't a very good actor <laughs> at the time. Maybe he got better, but... But I like that he had a strong enough personality to deal uh, and be a really good big brother for Alice. Yeah. Because at this point, the family's just garbage. Yeah, this was another example in the Nightmare series where the adults and the parents are just garbage. And you see, when Kristen is still alive, we hadn't gotten to Kristen's death yet, but it happens pretty soon after that. (laughs) Right. Kristen has to hand over her power, basically, to Alice. And Alice doesn't know that she did, and that's what leads to Freddy being able to get to Alice. So the whole crux of the movie is that Kristen, Kincaid, and Joey are the last of the Elm Street kids. They yeah. are the last kids whose parents murdered Freddy Krueger. Eh, would you say murdered? Yeah, I guess. It's yeah. vigilante justice, sure, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. But It's like stolen and commandeered, yeah. depending on how you say it. <laughs> so, right. so the mythology, it's, it's creaking and cracking at best, but the idea is that once he finishes with those kids, he's done, and he can't reach anyone else. But... Kristen's dream powers can pull other people into her dreams. When she does that with Alice, that opens the door for Freddy, and so he can pretty much go anywhere he wants. Yeah, and there's that weird thing where uh, Kristen is dying, and she passes on her powers with that beam to Alice. But she thinks she's doing that to her as a favor. She's not doing her any favors by doing that, honestly. Because I think with that, there is that potential that Freddy would have just gone away. Yeah. Because he would have won at that point. Right. That's what I think. But once again, if you do that, you have a 30-minute movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff you just have to kind of forgive for the sake sure. of, of the movie. But jumping back to the parents that I was talking about. So, Kristen, that's why I mentioned her, because we need, we need to wrap her up pretty quickly. But when they go to the Thompson house, her mom drives up. And the underlay, underlay, underlay. Yeah. So using that catchphrase from that's funny that that's like her catchphrase in the series. <laughs> yeah. like, like half her lines have been underlay throughout the series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So Kristen's mom is still a horrible person. She actually drugs her daughters to force her to go to sleep, even though she knows all the stuff she went through, however many years ago it was. Yeah. Like she still doesn't believe her, and still just. I don't know. She puts her to sleep and she yeah. kills her. She yeah. literally, yeah. Then she t- almost literally much tells kills her, her that too. Like yeah. he just murdered me. Yeah, she that. does. She, she does say that to her. But also, Alice's dad. Uh, the mom is not in the picture. I think the mom died at some point. They don't really go into that too much. Yeah. So it's a single father with Alice and Rick as siblings, and the dad is a drunk and he's ungrateful and he's just mad at the world and he takes it out mostly on Alice. Because Rick doesn't really take it so much. Rick yeah. has his outlet in karate and he gets his aggression out. Yeah. And he doesn't really respond to the father. But Alice kind of internalizes all of it. And he sees that and he keeps like 
dumping everything onto her. And you know, without him saying anything, that the reason he, I bet you he definitely takes karate mm. is so he can kick his old man's ass someday yeah. when he really deserves. Like when yeah. he is when he needs to protecting Alice too. Like I feel like he's saying I'm going to kick his ass so bad it's going to sober him up. Yeah, and that's what he's kind of training for. Right. I feel that and not that karate wasn't popular at the time. But yeah, it was, yeah. but that's what my head tells me that that's why he does yeah and he's so shitty to alice and he loves alice um so he wants to protect her so he'll do two things at once if it gets to that point and it's boiling to that point yeah yeah he treats her pretty much like a bad wife yeah in in every sense except for you know the obvious stuff yeah you know you better have my food ready and all this other shit and what is this stupid food garbage yeah yeah. so it's just bad news all around so yeah you really feel for both of the kids early on yeah so yeah but there's that parallel between that's why still even after just watching it recently i get alice and Kristen confused at times at the beginning of the movie because they're pretty much the same character yeah and they don't they look different enough but they don't look that different different neighborhoods yeah so one of them had to go you know one of them had to go because it was too confusing and it does feel like this movie kind of has two leads at the beginning sure especially just like a like tag you're it kind of thing with with Kristen and alice (laughs) um but you had to do that because again it's kind of like the nancy character she was too smart and she was too powerful she could have beaten Freddy on her own, probably. Kristen probably could have done the same. But Alice didn't know what was going on. And to make the movie scary, as opposed to just, like, action battle sequences, you yeah. had to pass it on to someone who didn't know what they had. Yeah. So now, at this point, the audience is more smartened up to Freddy than yeah. any of the characters in the picture. Right. So, yeah. So, so you kind of conti- you have to continue to do that, I think. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, quick side note. Were you a fan of the shark fin? <laughs> the land shark you mean yeah, yeah the bad death. <laughs> that was pretty goofy um it's yeah because the science of that whole nightmare makes no i realize that science doesn't exist <laughs> yeah in a nightmare yeah but the whole thing where the 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 claw fin reaches the sand castle yeah. and it blows up and then freddy's standing there <laughs> this they definitely kind of angled off of the ridiculous nature of the dream warrior dreams and it's just everything is super specific to the person to like the nth degree and it's it's just expanded further and further and we'll see that in, in the later deaths in the movie and as the series goes along yeah. but I like, it, I like the idea that the way they got her to the beach is by someone saying picture a place that you want to be yeah i liked that because for a split second you actually were like oh my gosh he's gonna get some relief now yeah nope yeah and yeah, I did like that because that's what Alice does bring to it is the dream master perspective because mm-hmm. she said she all she has are her dreams. Her dreams are her escape from this harsh reality of her father and home life. So to have Freddy like encroach himself in that is kind of that replacement of that father figure kind of thing. So I think there's some neat subtext in that area because it's she no longer has that place of refuge because Freddy comes in. But she also knows stuff. The, like, requisite class sequence in this one, they're talking about Aristotle and, like, the reality of dreaming. Dreaming versus reality and, like, the difference between the two and the blending of the two, I guess. I didn't really get too deep into that. I didn't do research into that. But I think that's the idea. It's because it's old hat. We've already heard this before, so. And Alice kind of comes from that perspective of the dream master, where you are the master of your dreams. And you don't just have a power, but you have power over everything and she's kind of learning that but freddy's also it's so it's a power struggle yeah. as opposed to just like 
it's interesting because it's kind of the inversion of part three, I think. Part three were the warriors. They each had their own individual power, and together they were more powerful than separate. But Alice, on the other hand, she gets more powerful not by her own volition, but when she takes power from her friends. So it's many versus one. And I, I kind of like that dichotomy between parts three and four. I think yeah. it's an interesting kind of inversion. Yeah. And it also kind of makes sense that Freddy would be not ready for that. Because in part three, he was taken down by multiple people. So he sees one young woman. He thinks, okay, well, this is going to be easy. But sure. it turns out that she's actually more powerful than anyone else. Because her, ever faced, yeah, yeah. her powers are multiplied. So, okay. It's kind of how Freddy gets his powers. They've already talked about it from part three. He pulls up his shirt in like three of the movies now, I think, at this point, uh, where you see the, the faces and of the yeah. souls. He gets more powerful with the more souls he gets. Yeah. But by him killing Alice's friends throughout the movie, she's actually getting more powerful with each one, too. She's growing in power just like Freddy is. Yeah. So he's actually unknowingly bringing her up to his level. Yeah. He created his ultimate yeah. arch rival. He created his own monster. More so than the other two could yeah. ever have been. Yeah. Which is very interesting. It's, yeah. By the way, I was talking about how the other people went out so quickly and mm. almost undeservedly. Uh, Kristen got it real bad for someone who survived a movie before. Yeah. Not as bad as like the woman from Friday the 13th Part 2 or anything, or 1 into 2. Yeah. But... I wish she would have gotten like a little bit of an upper hand before she got put in the quicksand. Because yeah. it's a total missed opportunity for her not to say, that's a bad hat, Freddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think... They should, I know, that would have been one joke too many, probably. But uh, I don't know. In a perfect I, world, right? I think it would have fit in the movie. Like, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the jokiness, necessarily. But I, at that point, when you have, like, shark fin in the sand and explosions, yeah. like, I'm okay with all, it. All bets are it's off. whatever. And the man sort of pivoting over to the karate scene. Mm -hmm. That to me, I, I kind of look at that as the uh, kind of the last act in Dragon the Bruce Lee story. You know, like where yeah. Bruce dies. Bruce yeah. dies. Spoiler, by the way. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, it reminds me of that part. And yeah. th even though that came out a few years later, sure. But uh, I really liked it. it just, just. That's such a great... Whoever thought of that was great. The Invisible yeah. Karate Man. Yeah. Like, we are way far into it at this point, but, <laughs> right. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. It's a and perfect nightmare. It's one of those... I actually... I haven't seen this one as much as the others, and not as many times as you have, huh. but I've seen it more than parts five and six, I think. Yeah, combined, I think. Yeah. Me, yeah. And, but I did vividly remember more, most of the death sequences in this one. Especially the later ones. The first three, not as much, but Alice's friends and her brother. Yeah. I remembered those very vividly oh, for different reasons for a few of them. But, Which uh, one disturbed you the most? The last one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I was like sitting there going, oh, of course, the asthmatic girl. Oh, yeah, yeah wait, no, there's something else. <laughs> yeah. Because body horror is way more disgusting than yeah. almost anything else you could even think to do in this movie. Yeah. That yeah, that one definitely has stuck with me pretty much every day of my life since I've seen it. Okay, and maybe not, but I'm exaggerating. But it's definitely one of those that stuck with me more in a different way, more than almost anything else in the series. I okay. think. So you just mentioned the the, the nerdy girl uh, Cheryl, and that kind of brings it up to me. Alice's friends, and I'm not talking about her brother in that because I think his character is pretty well developed. But the other people, Cheryl, Dan, and Debbie, there yes. it is. 
They're they're all pretty basic. They're very basic. So there's the scene <laughs> in the parking lot of the school. Kristen's still alive at that point. Yeah. That's the introduction to Alice and her group of friends. Yeah. And basically, you get everything you're ever gonna get for any of them right there. Yeah. Dan yeah. plays football. He's a football man, and he he's hot, and that's yeah. the thing. Alice likes him. That's the end. That's the pinnacle of his character development right there. Uh, Cheryl, she's tiny, she's cute, she's a nerd because she has glasses and she's always studying. Uh, and she has asthma. And she has asthma. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Debbie, she's she's hot, she likes to lift weights because she says so, and she wears leather. Yeah. That's it. Oh, she doesn't like roaches either because there's a roach in her bag of lunch and she squashes it. And Rick's like, oh, you squash that bug? She's like, yeah, they're gross. Pinnacle of character development right there for those three. It and was I, writer strike, Chris. I know, and I get it. People have certain expectations for movies like this, and you have to have cannon fodder. And even though they are used in the development of Alice's character more physically than like mentally, they are super duper duper basic. I think. Yeah, it's weird that they all have to die for her to win. Yeah, that really she, is a thing. She it's, wins by losing. It's kind of tragic that if they hadn't died, she would not have won. No. So I like that aspect. Of yeah. it. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's depressing, but yeah. I, for some reason, am drawn to depressing movies, I think. Ah. <laughs> but yeah, so Cheryl, I really liked her death. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it, but I, it was one of the less fantastical ones. And it felt scarier to me, I think, um, because yeah. she's taking a test and she's been, she had stayed up all night studying and she's really smart, but she's seems a little worried about it because she's so tired. Yeah. And it's basically that dream of you're in school and you, you just forgot everything and you yeah. don't know what you're doing. And it's the big test that's going to yeah. determine the rest, your future for at least this class or the rest of the year. And she starts freaking out. And Alice is sitting, like, literally, like, five feet away yeah. watching her because Alice pulled Cheryl into her dream by accident because they both fell asleep. People have narcolepsy in these movies, pretty much. <laughs> but they both fell asleep in class. Or maybe Alice was just daydreaming or whatever. Who yeah. knows? But, More than likely that was it. <laughs> yeah. But I just really like the fact that Alice was, like, right there and Freddie just stands up in class. He's like, yeah. yeah. And she sees the whole she thing. She can't do anything about it. She's yeah. within... Like she can almost reach him, but she can't do anything about it. Yeah. When, and, when when the when the shit starts jumbling on the paper, it's yeah. so well done. Like, yeah, man, you're just like, ooh, because she like <laughs> has a nosebleed, I think, and it yeah. kind of drips, and she kind of smears the blood, and then all the the, the I, I don't remember if it's like, like a history test, I think it was. It's almost like a algebra or something. something. I think. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, all yeah, the it's a bunch of numbers and shit. words and numbers start <laughs> to move around. So it's like when you have a test and you have no idea what any of this means, you're like, oh no, it looks yeah. like a big jumble yes. and nothing. The only thing I don't like about that is the robot arm that comes out of the desk. I'm like, why? I know That's she weird, she yeah. built the the bug thing. That's kind of stupid too. I think for Debbie. She's like, oh, she doesn't like bugs, so I built this thing to make sound to make them go away. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but everything else I thought was cool. Um, the This is, once again, Freddy using his tongue as a, a prop in, yeah. in the series, which has yeah. happened in every movie yeah, so far. I told far. you you're going to see it a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this death, I think, because it's one of those where from the outside, it just looks like a normal thing. But in the dream, it's terrifying. He... And does this stupid? I wouldn't say stupid. He does a line. 
uh, like you want to suck face and he literally sucks the breath out of her body yeah but she dies of an asthma attack yeah at least it looks like an asthma attack exactly it's it's the perfect crime for him so i really really like it i like those deaths the best because it really does put in that whole aspect of is this person person actually crazy or is this really a thing that's happening I just picture Robert England sitting in the makeup chair, actually eating an apple that way. Right. But I'm <laughs> yeah. sure maybe that's where that came from. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that's one of the things you actually could, probably could pull off right there. <laughs> so as we go along, like, we've already talked about most of the deaths. Um, I think we'll get to the, the ones we haven't talked about, the one that we haven't talked about in the kill count, because I don't want to talk about it twice. Okay. Um, <laughs> you the, really don't. <laughs> the only other thing I really want to talk about is kind of the going into the final sequence of the movie is it doesn't make any sense to me. So Dan, how, how so, Chris? <laughs> so Debbie is still alive. She doesn't believe anything that's happening, and she's just going about her daily life, and she's lifting weights or whatever because that's what she does. Because remember, she told us that one time. Yeah. But Dan and Alice have kind of grown a bit closer together kind of by default because they're not dead and everyone else is and alice knows that freddie is going after debbie because she has that really cool dream where she gets out of bed and goes to the movie theater and um reefer badness is playing in the the theater i'm gonna go ahead and call it now not save until the end this is my favorite dream in the movie okay because maybe not because it's all about movies but it might be that may be pulling me towards it but she gets up, she goes to the movie theater, you see kind of the green lights and everything, so you kind of know something's up, and why would she go to a theater at that time anyway? Yeah. But she goes and sits down, and she's watching the movie. It doesn't look like she's watching, but she's looking at the screen, and then you see, in the image on the screen, you see the Crave Inn, the diner that she works yeah. out, yeah. and uh, she gets basically turned sideways, and she gets sucked into it, and when she gets sucked into the screen... You see the the kids who have died so far, yeah. small in the distance, clapping for her yeah. in slow motion. So I, great. That's really cool. I really like yeah. that whole sequence. And even up to the very last part of this sequence, I really like it a lot. Because Alice goes in there, and it's the diner she works at. And she's been working there all the time because she doesn't, she doesn't want to go to sleep. So she's always there. And then when she sits down at the counter, she sees herself aged... 60 70 years old or something yeah. and it's basically like i've always been here yeah so it's that's one of the few dreams where it's like actually does have some metaphors and subtext i mean that's pretty clear yeah. what she's dreaming about but then freddie shows up and it's the pizza with the meatball faces yeah. like okay I, i'm kind of out by that point but <laughs> up to that point i thought it was really really cool yeah which it ties into the other death so we literally have like almost kind of a nightmare inception going on yeah here. So I think I'll just say it too. This is also yeah. my favorite nightmare in the in the whole movie. The the whole movie theater. Yeah, into yeah. The diner. Cool. And by the way, green light. Point that. Yeah, green light. Yep. <laughs> yeah, green light. Um, but after this, so that's where Freddie says, "I'm going after Debbie," basically, and she literally sees through her dream like Debbie on the the weight bench, yeah. and she apparently falls asleep on the weight bench. They don't specifically say that. Yeah. But there's one point where you kind of see your rubber face and sit up. So I'm pretty sure that's where okay. the, the changeover happened for her. I always miss that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But this whole long thing that I'm talking about. So clearly Alice was asleep at that point. So Alice apparently wakes up and she was supposed to meet Dan 
at the diner because they were yeah. going to go to... She was already worried about Debbie anyway. Yeah. But she didn't make it because her dad held her in. And that's when the whole falling asleep going to the theater. But she finally does get out to the diner in real life, maybe. Maybe. And then she sees Dan, who wasn't there previously, but he is now. And they get in the truck and they drive off. And they're driving. And then we see Debbie and she's... Stuff starting to happen to her. Yeah. We go back to the diner. She sees Dan. They get into the truck and they drive off for the yeah. second time. It's every time they get to the house and she goes down the alleyway or whatever to yeah. get to her house, and then it just loops around. Again. Loops again. And I like the sequence, yeah. but at a certain point in this time loop, they do it like three, maybe four times. I think I it's at least it's at least three. Yeah. By the way, Robert England said this was his favorite part of the movie. Yeah. So and it's neat. I like the idea, uh, but they do crash into nothing. Uh, they see Freddy out in the distance on the road, and Dan just smashes into him, but he smashes around nothing. It looks like he smashes into a pole, but there's nothing there. Right. And Dan gets taken away to the hospital, so you would assume they're awake at this point. And Alice is telling him, telling Dan, basically, don't let him put you under, don't let him put you under, because you'll fall asleep and he'll get you again. Yeah. But when did they ever wake up? When I don't think I don't think she ever did. I have I have a theory that. She's asleep the whole act. Like, like in, I'm talking the whole last fourth of this movie or whatever, she's asleep. She has to be, though, but it doesn't... I don't know, it just doesn't... There's no clear indication anywhere, which yeah. is, isn't a deal-breaker, it's fine. Yeah. But... She obviously she, pulls those other two into her nightmare right from the very beginning, and they're yeah. all along for the ride. So, where did Dan get hurt? Did he actually drive his car ever? I don't know. Yeah, see? I mean, was maybe he this ever is in all in her head. Was it's he in the hospital head. at any point? No, maybe not. And, and plus, that's a that's a truck totaler, isn't it? Like, that accident total, right? Mm-hmm. He has the truck in number five. So I'm gonna I don't say, think it's the same truck. Is it not the same? Are you so. sure? I'm not sure, but I don't think I it is. I feel like it's the same piece of crap truck from the it previous be, movie. but I don't know. So that that also, that's that, if that's the truth, then that is just all in all, she dreamt that whole thing. That's what I'm going with. That would sort of make the most sense. But then she goes back to her house to get ready for the dream battle. She takes pills to put herself back to sleep. But we never see her lay back down. And she just jumps through the mirror and goes to the church. Yeah. So, no. But Dan and the parents of both Alice and Dan are in the hospital. And there's a whole sequence of yeah. the whole tension of don't fall asleep because he's going to get you. And they put him under with the... Why would they put all that in there yeah. if it's still Alice's dream? Yeah, you're probably right. I'd say so, I'm, I'd, I probably guessed this all wrong. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I like the idea. It's one of those where you can't... I think it's Dan visibly hurt at the very end when they're together. You can't tell. Yeah, he's not wearing a sling or and anything. You, you can't he's really like, even tell when that is either. So maybe he was never in the hospital. If he... If, to go back and watch it now, but, but if the, he looks uninjured, then maybe that's the case. Maybe, but that could have taken place like a month later. Could have. Yeah. So, because they're obviously, like, together at that point. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> anyway, that, that was the whole thing I wanted to talk about. Damn writer strike. <laughs> it doesn't really make much sense. I would have to watch it a bunch of times, and I don't, I just don't think there's any answer to that. Yeah. I think we're both... We're actually running around the diner right now. Right. Getting back into the car, yeah. trying to figure this movie yeah. out. Yeah. And I guess the whole point really isn't about trying to figure it out logically because it doesn't make logical sense in a lot of ways. Yes. And that's fine because it's dreams. So whatever. Going back to our old rating system. 
It's fun. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, but so we're at the final sequence. We're in the church. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that they really back away from the religious stuff in this one, yes. like almost entirely. There was the Bible verse from Job, uh, Job 4, 13, 14, yeah. at the beginning of the movie, yes. the, the opening text. Yes. And then the fact that the final battle between Alice and Freddy takes place in the church. Um, those are the only yeah. connections. Whereas in the previous movie, it was holy water that killed sure. Fred, or finger quotes again, killed Freddy, <laughs> and um, the mother was the nun, and the whole religious aspect of that. Yeah. Going back to the first one, we talked about it. It seems superficial in this one, the whole religious aspect of it, which I don't mind, but it also kind of isn't the mythology that they had set up at that point. That stuff feels like it's been shoehorned in a little bit, yeah. maybe even by Robert Shea, if I had to guess. Yeah. So who knows? But otherwise, yeah, there's nothing in here. So I, don't think, I don't think the finisher that big on on the religion, but I could be wrong. <laughs> he's he's from oh, Finland. He's yeah, from Finland. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. Those it, areas seem very neutral to me. And I, felt, I dig that. Yeah, it did feel like something that he was not too concerned about sure. and didn't feel the need to put it back in. Churches look cinematic. He's probably like, wow, why the hell? Yeah, not? like cool. I'm sure that was the yeah. idea. Does it look good? Great. Yeah, and there was a, a window <laughs> for her to, to bust through to get into the church, so that's sure. all he really needed. Yeah. What did you think of the final battle between the two of them? I liked it because it gave credence to everything that they told us throughout the movie. Yeah. She has all these amazing powers, and it came to fruition. Freddy wasn't completely outgunned. He obviously, it's a very 50-50 battle. Yeah. It's almost like she kind of just got lucky with that light bulb idea she had. Yeah. And she was like, oh yeah, mirror. So, yeah. it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I liked I liked the the some like the mirror works two times. Yeah. Two movies running. Yeah. There's something there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I liked the and Freddy jumps out of a mirror in the the first one. Mm, yeah, yeah so there's definitely i think that's a pretty easy like motif and like symbol to put in like the dream world can be like the opposite it's the opposite yeah. thing it's also Al- the looking glass yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. and that's definitely what this one was because he literally says like alice welcome to wonderland i think in the movie yeah. Yeah. um so if you didn't get yeah. that from her name like i like that shot here's, too with the fingers yeah, by the here's freddie krueger to hand it to you on a silver platter <laughs> yeah. here's what this means but you think about stuff like um prince of darkness and the, the the whatever it is the evil entity lives sure. in mirrors yeah uh, oh, it was definitely done better in yeah. that movie don't yeah. get me wrong <laughs> it's it's something that i think the whole religion and the whole good versus evil i think it's an easy metaphor yeah um but these movies are the only time i quote-unquote go to church <laughs> right <laughs> by the way right but it's a personal aside there <laughs> it, it it works really well all the time i think and even going back to Kristen's, i think it was Kristen's dream early early in the movie when she goes into the Thompson house for the first time, when we were watching it, I, I said to you, like, hey, the staircase is on the wrong side of the house. And then she opens the door and goes back through the door, back into the house. It's like literally back into the house again, and it's all in the right position. So that was mirrored as well. Ah, so I think there's yeah. something there of her crossing mm. some sort of threshold. Yeah. I think that could, to me, that also kind of says that like freddy's back like he's crossed over from from wherever he was back into this reality so the whole motif kind of actually goes it kind of bookends the movie Kristen did it then alice did it to jump into the church so i think that's really cool actually i didn't really think about that till just now yeah makes it even just that much better yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) uh yeah i like the the final battle mostly um uh, linnea quigley makes her (laughs) her her nightmare debut in this she's actually credited um, was she in the opening credit crawl? 
I can't remember. No, I I I think I, I don't recall her being on the opening credits. Maybe no, I'm wrong about but that. She's but she's in I, she's in the closing ones, of course. She's yeah. in the, the scroll. Well, I was I was on IMDb during the movie during, That's what during it was. the down part, and I I was scrolling through and I was like, Linnea Quigley is yeah. crit. What the hell? Yeah. And then we were. I was like, oh. Yes, one of the greats of cheap B horror, yeah. Linnea Quigley from the Joe Bob's Drive-In Hall of Fame. Yeah, Linnea Quigley, absolutely one of my favorites. And yeah, she she is in the movie. And you don't really see her face as much as other parts of her body. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. She is inside Freddy. Yes. <laughs> Those boobs are Linnea Quigley's. Yes. <laughs> Rightfully so. I like most of the final fight sequence. It could have been a little longer, maybe. I don't know. I think I think it's pretty good like it is. Mm-hmm. The the hands and stuff coming out of Freddy, which is the souls like, trying to crawl out of him, yeah. a little bit goofy. Sure. Um, there's, uh, I think one of the Fangoria issues has the cover is just a picture of Freddy with like a little baby arm coming out of the top of his head. <laughs> so it's super goofy. Um, out of context, it's super goofy, but it yeah, works right. in the movie, I think. We're going to ask Howie Mandel act. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, I think each time they kind of try to up the stakes, which I guess you have to in sequels like this. Yeah. Like in this one, it seems like Alice frees all the souls from Freddy's body. Because they, they that fly way. around and go out the window. Yeah. So... Like, I guess that's supposed to take his power away for real this time. Yeah. But, of course, it doesn't, because it never does. Yeah, in a sense. But I guess he does kind of, I mean, you know, a little preview for five, he kind of does have to start from scratch. Yeah. So maybe. sort of kind of does in most of these. Yeah. I don't know. So. It's just a thought. Yeah. Let's get to the death count. All right. So, there are six deaths in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. The first one, we've talked about all but one of these. Uh, first one is Kincaid. <laughs> On purpose, by yes. the way. <laughs> first one is Kincaid. He is pulled into the junkyard for some reason. Well, I, we know the reason. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> he's pulled into the junkyard that he was never at before. And he is just stabbed after he thinks he crushes Freddy. Joey is on his bed. He gets pulled in, into his waterbed by a naked woman. Yes. Uh, number three is Kristen, the last of the Elm Street kids. She dreams of herself on a beach. But she is pulled into the house, into the boiler room. And then she's thrown into the boiler and like drowned and burned at the same time yeah like like water and fire yeah oil water or whatever yeah the fourth death in the movie is sheila the the nerd girl where she got her face sucked and then she died of asthma in class number five is rick the karate man who gets stabbed by the glove by an invisible freddy krueger because the karate man bleeds on the inside yes (laughs) and number six is debbie who is so this is a multi-part death. Um, I'll go through it as quickly as possible. I'm going to sit back and just listen to Chris <laughs> squirm. for. A, that's the best term I can come up with, actually, yeah, yeah. doing this. She is doing bench presses. I believe she falls asleep on that bench press. Freddy appears behind her. He crushes the barbell down onto her body to the point to where her, her elbows break, basically. Yeah. Her forearms go way too far. And there's that really grotesque shot yeah. of you just see the bones in her elbows separate. They pop up apart. Yeah. And there's no blood. It's like gray and yeah. black. And just it's really yeah. gross. It's really gross. If you subscribe to like sports injuries, if you see them for real, like the worst things you yeah. can see, this is going to make you really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's really gross every time I see it. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I think you talked about it as well when we were watching it like whenever you do have lifted weights in the past and i did for a while too yeah. like i think about that when i do the bench press pretty uh-huh. much every time uh-huh um, yeah. because it's horrible 
and horrible in a good horror way, I would oh, yeah. say. Um, but this next part, I don't like as much. I think it's a great gross-out. Um, she basically turns into a giant roach. The breaks in her arms, her arms actually start, the skin starts to slough off, and you see that she has, like, mandibles or whatever with, like, hairs and stuff. And as it goes along, more of her body starts to fall off. You see more of this bug, and it turns out that she is turning into a roach. She ends up in a roach motel, like one of those glue traps, with another roach beside her, and then Freddy, you realize, has the roach motel in his hand. He just crushes it. Yeah, it's like it one makes... of the least amount of effort for him physically in yeah. a dream, yeah. and it's just, yeah, it's disturbing to me. Man. Yeah. So, Chris, I, I, I'm not trying to take advantage of you here and uh, betray your friendship. Uh-huh. I know you are not a fan of roaches. I am not. I am not either, but I think you are actually less of a fan of roaches than I am. I don't know how that's possible. I think we all should just hate roaches equally. Yeah. yeah. But that being said, I I do want to ask, Mm -hmm. this worse or Creepshow? Creepshow's worse. Okay. Because they're real. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) a very good point, actually. Like, yeah, one is completely fake. (laughs) And there's, like, real life. And I can't... To this day, I can't open a box of cereal without being a little nervous. Wow, so it's I'm exaggerating a bit, sure. but I think about it. Okay, so right. we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good argument for the versus mode I just gave you. That yeah. was a that was a layup, obviously. Yeah, I think with the bang there, <laughs> ending with a squish actually. Yes, <laughs> squish. Uh, yeah, so overall, I would give this movie a fun. Um, I will watch it again. I think I liked it more on this watch than I had on previous ones, or my memory of previous watches. I think it's a good, good not great follow-up to part three. Yes. Quick bonus tracks for you here. Like I said before, watch Ford Fairlane, watch Long Kiss Goodnight, especially if you like this movie. And there's uh there's two fun music videos actually tied into this one i'm like dream warriors we got for part three but they doubled down and had like an all rock and rap soundtrack for this one yeah but the vinnie vincent invasion love kills video actually has some not as much interplay as they did for dream warriors but it's still worth watching as a vignette but for me it's all about the fat boys are you ready for freddy video how great is that (laughs) yeah it's it's a lot of fun i like that i remembered that i didn't really remember the vinnie vincent one i knew of it yeah. I didn't really remember it that much, but I've, I've watched the, the Fat Boys one a few times. Yeah, it's so great. And, you know, it's got a little bit of everything in it. And it's obviously, like, almost, I guess, the pinnacle of pop culture Freddy. Yeah. Because Robert England raps on the goddamn thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't get any more farther out from your original intention than that. But for some reason, I still love it. Yeah. It's a childhood thing, I guess. And, yeah, so. and we grew up during that time. So yeah. that Freddy is when I was having some of my strongest memories i think at least like growing up in that era uh so i did see freddy everywhere and reading some of these fangorias like robert england had he has lots of opinions about the series even at the time and he was doing other stuff and he was trying to kind of like wes craven he was like trying to do other things um he had directed i think it was his first movie 976 evil yeah um one of the writers actually from that he i think he pulled over to to nightmare yeah yes he did and um so reading some of those fangores he was like not too cool with coming back necessarily because he was in a rush because he was finishing up night seven six evil before yeah. jumping into this one plus he was missing out on other work yeah uh, like tv and some like really gotcha. cool stuff that he was talking about but like i said rennie harlan when once he saw the quote arty action roller coaster that rennie harlan was trying to create he was like all right this is pretty cool yeah so, robert england did say that he felt like the nightmare series 
in interviews from this time period were becoming quote family films doing finger quotes for the third time sure um so take that with whatever you grain of salt you want but he also said that the fourth one was returning to the creepiness of the original i was like "Mm, no Mm. not even close but i feel like robert england gets in different moods and he sees the movie in different lights in different moods and and that's that's fine yeah and in my opinion, just a little preview for the upcoming episodes, I would have been fine if they had just left it be after this up until yeah. New Nightmare. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, you know, we'll get to that, but, uh, you know, I'm cool with that one. Was that, five, how, six, I think yeah. five and six are completely unnecessary. How many times can you banish Freddy and then try to figure out some way for him to come back? Yeah. Like, yeah. And plus, they don't even use five and six as canon for New Nightmare, so that's another reason to just say, no, not really. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I got. But <laughs> so let's, uh, on, on that resounding, like, recommendation, tune in to part five of our Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, we're going for blood here. Yes. <laughs> uh, I am at least. I'm interested to see how you could even defend part five, but I, I, I bet if anybody could, Chris, you could. So how can they do it? How can they hear that? <laughs> you can find out if I do that on The Last Theater for the fifth episode of the Nightmare on Elm Street Retrospective, which you can find on cnjradio.com. Check us out on Facebook and, of course, Twitter at The Last Theater. And, yeah, that's about all I got for this one. All right. Till next time. Bye. Even in part three, the dream Yeah.